Hey, everybody, Ashley Page here. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's educational vlog. We're thrilled you're with us, uh, whether you're a client or you're just someone that follows our content. Uh, for those of you uh, in either camp that are new to our educational vlog, what we do with that every Thursday is we do a deep dive on a term or a concept that we feel like will help you build your knowledge in money and markets. That's in uh, contrast to the portfolio vlog that we do every Monday, the guys on the portfolio team do, that give you sort of what the economic uh, uh, talking points are going to be for that particular week. And markets followed up on Tuesday with a lot of research from our research partners that we send you. So what we're doing today is we're doing a deep dive on one topic, and our topic today is friend shoring and emerging portfolio impact. Friend shoring and emerging portfolio impact. So right off the bat, friend shoring, what is that? It's an unusual term. Well, it lives in the same camp, if you will. Think about a U.S. auto manufacturer, and the U.S. auto manufacturer can either buy and establish their supply chain totally within the United States. Of course, we call that onshoring. Or they can establish their supply lines to get a lot of supply of product into their plant internationally. We call that offshoring. Or a company can do, like most do, a combination of the two. Friendshoring is a new term that we want you to know because we feel like over the next couple of decades, that's gonna have real portfolio impact. So that's why we wanna highlight for you today, particularly what's going on with some of the political tension in the world in Russia, Ukraine, and also China, Taiwan. Friend shorting just means that rather than going to the lowest cost producer, either in the United States or outside the United States, in your international trade supply lines, what's most important to you is to choose trade with a country that's a friendly or one that is politically allied very much with us. So for example, uh, in the United States, that would be countries like the United Kingdom. It would be the Eurozone proper. It would be a country like Taiwan as an example, or Japan, South Korea, Australia, Brazil, you get the idea. It's one that has political values sort of aligned with ours, as opposed to China that is not and is in a different trading type block. So let us give you a visual of what we mean. And let's pretend that for sake of uh, this example, that our US auto manufacturer is buying its navigation system overseas to supply into the plant to put into the car. And let's say historically that has been purchased from China. Now that U.S. auto manufacturing is a little bit worried with what's going on politically, particularly with semiconductors and coming from Taiwan, they're worried about the security of that international supply line now. So as an alternative, they can buy the same navigation system from the United Kingdom. Simply put, what friendshoring means is we're going to favor the United Kingdom purchase regardless of price. 
versus the Chinese partnerships. That's what's called friendshoring. That is really beginning to emerge now. We've always had friendshoring in certain industries like pharmaceuticals, rare earth metals. You've heard about that. I mentioned semiconductors and the problem that has been lately. Well, we've always had a little bit more of a friendshoring type of push on those. Now, friendshoring as a trend is becoming much more global because economists are beginning to worry that much like we had in the Cold War days, we are creating two or three large antagonistic trading blocks in the world economy. The U.S. is one. Russia, of course, is another one. But the main one is China. So economists are worried and with, with this primary uh, point. They're worried that if we sort of go retro back to what we had in international trade that looks a lot like the Cold War, it will unwind a lot of the benefits that we've had from globalization, particularly over the last 33 years. Globalization is a much more open architecture in trade. You pretty much can buy anything anywhere. You know, there are one-off examples like Iran and North Korea that have always been very closed. But for the most part, over the last 33 years, we've seen a tremendous expansion in how the U.S. auto manufacturers and other businesses have really spread out their supply lines. Um, so if you look at French shoring, let's take the globalization example and what we've gotten from it. If you go back in world history, you've had a lot of examples of globalization where that's happened. You can go all the way back to the invention of an agricultural uh, uh, society. Then you fast forward. A major one, of course, was the Industrial Revolution. Come forward into the 1800s, what did we have? We had railroads getting prolific along with a clipper ship, which was faster in international trade. Then you come forward to the early 1900s. You have things like the building of the Panama Canal that made international trade much faster. The major globalization trend we've been in for the last three decades started in 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall, because all of a sudden you took a major trading block in Eastern Europe, the former Soviet Union, that was closed to U.S. products, really. So when the Berlin Wall came down, that was a major push um, in globalization. To exacerbate the speed of that, what happened right behind that in the early 1900s, pardon me, the early 1990s, the creation of the internet. So you had a lot more countries coming online in terms of international trade and a faster way to do it. This globalization trend post-1989, we have really been in that trend for 33 years now, up until the present day. The major two factors we have gotten in terms of global wealth creation since that point. Number one has been that globalization has raised the income level of developing countries. A great example would be Vietnam. Their wealth has, has increased quite a bit in the globalization uh, era. You did not have that before. So you've had a number of developing countries around the world where globalization has raised their income level. That's number one. Number two is globalization has lowered cost tremendously 
for already the highly developed uh, countries like our own and the United States. We call that the law of comparative advantage. The United States, for example, has comparative advantage in very high value products that a high uh, innovation level, a high educational level create. Vietnam has a comparative advantage in low cost production, for example, of commodity goods. So what globalization has done is really improved the growth of the world economy in those type major camps. The friend-shoring trend we see now could have a drag on that. That's why we want you to be aware of it and be cognizant of the portfolio value that it could have. If we start going the friend-shoring example, let's go back to our navigation system bought from the UK where we traditionally bought that from China, it was an adequate product and was cheaper. Now, if we go the friend-shoring direction, we're buying it from the UK, but what can happen? It's at a higher cost. So what economists are worried about is that with this new friend-shoring trend, we could start to detract from the major advantages we've seen in globalization again, which is you know, the higher income for developing countries and the lower cost for the ones that are already developed. The World Trade Organization tracks trends on issues like this. And they say if friendshoring like this continues and we continue to polarize in our trading block and China continues to polarize, Russia continues to polarize, over the, la- over the next two decades, we could have a 5% drop in global economic output, I would say over the next 10 to 20 years. And that's significant because in terms of worldwide wealth going into our monetary portfolio system, that could be four, they estimate it could be 4.4 trillion with a T in terms of loss of wealth creation. Well, if that occurs, what you'll begin to see is that you'll see cost creep and sort of an an inflationary build into the floor. If you start friendshoring from uh, exclusively, even though your costs are higher from a company, a country like the UK, it's going to build in a little bit higher cost profile. That's the one negative trend. The other negative trend is the worry is is that with a lot of these developing countries where the income level is rising, they're not going to be rising as as quickly. So they're not going to be able to buy as much U.S. product. So we wanted to bring this friend-shoring term up to you because over the next couple of decades, it's got the potential to really sort of depress um, the, the positive impacts we've seen with globalization over the last three decades. So we hope this information is helpful to you. As always, we love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out up to us on any social media platform. Uh, We love it when you come by, just talk on the phone. You can talk to me more about this topic. Glad to answer any follow-up questions uh, that you have, uh, as are any of the guys uh, from Greg to Bobby, uh, Adam, Trey, and Ty on the portfolio team. We always appreciate the dialogue 
And as we sign off here, let us thank you for forwarding this information to others. You all are doing that a lot. Really appreciate it. Uh, and until then, we hope you have a great rest of the week. Thanks. Thanks.